cutting-edge guests, awesome, uncensored, jaw-dropping information, plus funny memes, good deeds, and loads of laughter. Kind of have it all. Ladies and gentlemen, if your soul's awake, then welcome, because you're in the right place. Well, welcome back to the Sovereign Soul Show. All of you divine lions and lionesses, as you know, we stand for love, levity, and liberty, because after all, as it is written, love is the greatest power in the universe. Reiki master, nearly a decade, 22 practicing. And as you know, our mascot, the Bling Buddha, not only does he fire red pills from his nine mil, he has that Punisher tattoo over his left breast, symbolizing save the children. The two men you see on here are also about that and in saving the children it also means that we all take back the countries the business entities that have been overridden on us the fraud which has been perpetrated said they're ngos and they're not and they're serving a demonic agenda and somebody who can speak very well to that as you know is bishop jim o'connor who after west point and punched the demon Cobol in 1972 in the face, which threw the psychic who predicted JFK's assassination from the CIA out of the room on her ass in front of two general officers, the commandant as well of West Point. It was written up in the New York Times and the West Point Gazette. Then after retiring from a U.S. Army major, airborne and combat decorated, eventually after his MBA and adjunct professorship in the Beltway, became a priest and now a bishop in the pre-Constantine underground Orthodox Church, the same one that Christ set up when Yahshua walked the earth, and he has successfully performed 18 exorcisms. This is a man with an order that has access to the 777 books of the Bible and a descendant of Charles Carroll. And before we get over to the other wonderful gentleman we have here, Bill Ogden from Tactical Civics, we need to look at what's been going on and where we are right now, right? Because when we look at this, we're about approaching the two-year anniversary of the Canadian Freedom Convoy. And right now, this week, we have the German, the Polish farmers, and the people that are standing up. In Australia, a year and a half ago, two million stood up. In Brazil, we've seen that going on. We see France standing up. Spain is going into two months of standing up for freedom, and other countries are about to do that. But we don't see Americans doing it. And remember what the Canadians did. The Canadians braved freezing temperatures two years ago next month in the largest strikeout, standing up and speaking out for freedom in known history of the last century or more. It started from the Atlantic and the Pacific coast. It crossed the second largest country by landmass in the world, save for Russia. And for example, about people standing up and coming together and doing what's right versus wrong. When the RCMP in Saskatchewan refused the caravan coming from British Columbia to stop for gas and food, which had children, the Mennonites on horse and buggy rushed ahead of the Freedom Convoy, parked themselves on the Trans-Canada Highway, and fed thousands of drivers and passengers and children for free and handed out warm blankets. All in a show of patriotism, not just patriotism because it was wrapped in a Canadian maple leaf flag at the time, because it's right. This is what human beings can do for each other when they stand up for it. And I've got chills. And until recently, America had the greatest military in the world. It still has the greatest constitution in my perspective. Yet many Americans remain silent, not taking action, going to social media instead of organizing themselves peacefully to do the thing. And we had Lee Dundas, a descendant of Patrick Henry, who said, give me liberty or give me death, who actually helped architect the Canadian Freedom Convoy two years ago. Indigenous of Turtle Island stood together. 
Yet the rest of the awakened patriots in America, especially the last few weeks with Epstein Island docs coming out, the stolen elections, the overturn, what's going on with the Trump, the mega party camp, saying, what can we do? How can we do it? And be a peaceful dissenter, as Thomas Jefferson said. Bill Ogden and Tactical Civics had the answer, and that's what we're going to answer for everybody right here. Because this is a society where the Republic was usurped in 1871 by a demonic agenda. And everybody is very much aware of that right now. So the work has been laid. The foundation is there. You have a constitution, America. Peek up, listen up, sit up, watch this next 45 to 60 minutes with Bill and Bishop Jim O'Connor. Because as Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And he took down the British Empire with a billion people standing up peacefully. And that peaceful rebellion is what we can all do because we really don't want bloodshed. You have a combat veteran here in Bishop Jim on the show. And Thomas Jefferson said in the country, dissent is the highest form of patriotism. And lest I remind you that JFK said, ask not what a country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Regardless of aliens being here, a southern border overrun, stolen elections, banks getting bailouts for fixing markets, and some of them are bankrolling child rape and torture island and Epstein. No more. This is how we, the people, take back those Americans, America as a republic, peacefully. So without further ado, and thank you, gentlemen, for being here in such a short period of time, pulled together this show on January 11th, Bishop Jim O'Connor, if you won't mind elaborating a little bit more on your background, being a descendant of Charles Carroll, and also the stock, the breed, the O'Connors come from. And then we'll go over to Bill. And Bill, you have the reins and tell us about tactical civics and how everybody can get involved and set up a constitutional jury for freedom. Brad, it's great to see you, Bill. It's nice to meet you. Uh, the O'Connor family is the largest last name in Ireland. The first O'Connor was Connor McNessa, who sent his ambassador to Jerusalem to find out about this miracle worker. The ambassador saw the crucifixion, heard about the resurrection, was there on Pentecost, and actually heard St. Peter in ancient Gaelic. And this is recorded in the Irish history called the time. Uh, my dad, was the middleweight champ of the Navy during the Second World War. He was a chief and he did four forward radar repair. So he was on the Marshall Islands when it got bombed. His little brother Joe was a Navy frogman, one of the first frogmen, and he was in the water during Normandy. My uncle John, my godfather, my dad's older brother, was on the second wave of Omaha Beach and Uncle John died uh, in October of uh, 2022 at 102 years old. Uh, my link to Charles Carroll is through my grandmother O'Connor, who uh, was also the first cousin of Rose Kennedy, uh, President Kennedy's uh, mother. So I have a lot of nice history in my family. I was very fortunate to get into West Point even more fortunate to graduate. And, uh, and I really enjoyed being in the Army and being a real soldier was a lot of fun. Uh, it was amazing what a great men I got to serve with. I served under uh, Colonel Cal Waller, who was Schwarzkopf's deputy. 
and another man who was trained by Waller, who was also trained by Schwarzkopf, who was trained by Patton's son, General Patton, a guy named Justin Hughes. And they were two of the greatest officers ever. And uh, they really taught how to fight war. And uh, Schwarzkopf's battle plan was a Patton-esque bat battle plan when he, we did the first Gulf War. And if you understood what General Patton's son taught them, uh, you would know that that's exactly what kind of battle plan they would have. And it was pretty amazing. We wiped out 40, uh, 42 divisions with suffering 114 deaths ourselves in four days, which is unheard of in military history. And uh, about 16 of these deaths were friendly fire, which, you know, accidents happen, especially when war is that successful. Um, I've been very fortunate to uh, be blessed by God with the strength to uh, not be afraid of demons. I don't want to be tricked by them. I don't want to be fooled by them. But when you really see them for what they are, they're, they're spineless, weak, nasty beings. And we should not be afraid of them. And if we actually saw, if you actually saw what they looked like, you would never follow them. And I think it's time for men and women to stand up and say enough of this. I mean, we got churches involved in pedophilia. We got the government involved. We got entertainment involved. We got some sports figures involved. They're sucking us dry. They're doing terrible things. And it's time for good men and women to stand up and say enough. No more, no more children, no more evil, no more stealing our money and uh, partying on it. So that's my point of view. Excellent point of view. And Bishop Jim has the channel on Rumble, Grace of God. So make sure you're following him if you're on our show. And Bill Ott, Tactical Civics, a patriot, a man. Awesome. Last time we talked, you had just been feeding the horses hay, and you've got beautiful country music and guitars behind you, sir. Please go ahead and and off you go. Let her rip. And hang out. Yes. Let, exactly. let her rip. You know, the Declaration of Independence, it references a phrase that said, after a long train of abuses and usurpations, that lead inevitably. Well, you know, we've been living that. And uh, they stole the election down here. It was in all the news. I'm sure you heard about it. That uh, Clearly, Biden's not as popular as they're trying to tell us. Uh, <laughs> where I live, <laughs> you'll get why I'm laughing. Where I live, bumper stickers are still good, you know. So I pull up behind a truck, and uh, I'll clean this up because I don't know what the rules are in Canada and Virginia. Uh, but uh, oh, you, just, you just send it, Bill. You can send it. Absolutely. FJB. There's an FJB. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and below it, there's another one that says, and if you like them, F you too. You know, and it's just. There are flags flying, you know, uh, thematic along that and so on. Awesome. Uh, it, it just it's just not real. It's it's surreal. We're actually living in a moment that's surreal. Uh, it's fiction. And part of the fiction, it's a it's an intellectual construct that they're trying to force us to live in. I keep going outside and looking around. You know, I don't see the federal government. I look for it. It's not here. 
I don't see the state government. But every now and then the township does go by. And so I understand the order of governance because I, I know who I see. But after they stole the election, after they, uh, you know, they were trying to uh, make me take a shot that I didn't want. Uh, and I'll just throw this in for context. We had a, a child with cystic fibrosis. We spent 25 years in the hospitals, uh, Children's Hospital and Shadyside Hospital. Um, <clears throat> we're medical snobs there. I said it. I'm glad we know a thing or two. Uh, my kid would go to the hospital four to six times a year. She'd be in two to three weeks to clip. My wife would go down there with her. I'd commute back and forth because it's just down the street to Pittsburgh. And uh, uh, when when the alleged pandemic hit, I said, honey, I think you and I might know something about all this. I think we've been down this road. When they're trying to compel us to wear a mask, I said, you know, our kid had a respiratory problem and a cold could lead to pneumonia and early death. Cold is a coronavirus. And yet there we were 25 years. We were never asked to mask up. Nobody on the floors masked up. Nobody in the Ronald McDonald house masked up. We're living with patients from all over the world with kidney transplants, liver transplants, multiple organ transplants, cancer patients, no masks. Everybody and your brother's coming and going and cooking lunch. The Marines are coming. The Pirates are coming. Steelers are coming. Nobody's wearing a mask. And now all of a sudden, we're being told. And uh, where it came down to me, this part of the journey was, I'm afraid that if I put the mask on, people will think I know something. And then they'll, I'm setting the wrong example. Because that thing doesn't help you. It's not going to help you. And I knew that. Uh, and so that comes under the heading of uh, people trying to govern me against my will, make me do a thing. You know, I, I say to people all the time, you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to. You don't have to wear a hat if you don't want to. I personally like a hat. You don't have to. You know, it's personal liberty. But as we're going through these long train of abuses and usurpations, and uh, they're they're kicking me off social media periodically. I can't be anything I said. What's controversial about me? I seem to be normal, you know. That, nevertheless, I'm getting I'm getting reprimands and so on uh, from people I've never met. Apparently, it's their platform with my data. But so I'm searching. I'm part of the search. There are two questions I have: What's going wrong here, and how do I fix it? And so I'm on, you know, I'm on social media. I'm looking, I'm on the Instagram and I'm on the Twitter, now the X, and I'm on the Facebook and I'm going on to all these websites, watching all these shows. I'm watching Patriot Street Fighter and Nino Rodriguez and I'm watching uh, uh, Jayco and I'm watching Wano Savin and I'm I, all this stuff. My wife, because she is subtle, would ask me in the evenings, so what are the crazies telling you today? <laughs> And I guess that's all of us now, right? I would get four hours of Steve Bannon many days because at least he was covering pithy topics. And one day in March last year, I happened to tune in to Scott McKay. Now, you should know Scott's from the same county I live in. I've known him for 30 years. He goes by the handle Patriot Street Fighter. I was there before he went viral. Uh, and that's not a claim to his fame or mine. I just I know the guy. So I tuned into his program, and he happened to have Nino and, and uh, Jayco on, and this guy named David Zuniga. And these three high-powered guys are throwing questions by this man, and he's hitting them back at him extremely well. 
And what I heard was solutions. Here's a guy with solutions. He's promoting a book called The Great We Set, W-E-Set, Great We Set. I ordered it while the show was on. That's how compelling this was for me. <coughs> I, I wanted to know. And uh, I called Scott after the show and I said, hey, but I think we're on to something here. This guy's got solutions. I ordered his book. He said, read the book and call me back. I'll have you on the show. You can bring me up to speed. It's not that Scott can't read. He delegates apparently effectively to me. <laughs> and so I did that. And here I sit today. In answer to the question, what was happening? Dave Zuniga through uh, America Again Trust action uh, portion called Tactical Civics. He said, according to Romans chapter one, verses 18 to the end, we're living under God's judgment. Paul is railing at the Romans. He said, you knew there was a God. You can look around and see him, but you people had to work in, worship inanimate objects and idols and stuff. And so, he said, God has given you over to your stupidity. And they point out that Paul never repeats himself. And yet he said that three different times in Romans 1.18 to the end. And then he listed 24 specific actions that people were doing that, that would be considered uh, being given over to stupidity. One of them was not listening to their parents. My daughter's sitting back there. I thought you'd have to highlight that for her. My granddaughter needs to hear it. Not listening to the parents uh, is an act of stupidity. And so that's what's happening. And of course, Paul's really good. He, he never gives us a problem without identifying a solution. Later on, might be in Corinthians. I'm not sure. It's the Bill's Revised Standard Edition of the Bible I use. Bishop, it doesn't have all them messy numbers in it. I just say somewhere in there it said, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wickedness and repent and pray to me, I will uh, heal their land. So that frames the problem and the solution pretty clearly. And I had to acknowledge that, you know, if you follow the QAnon, and I'm not saying you do or you don't, but it talks about an epic battle of good and evil. It talks about this is going to be biblical. It talks, you know, and I hear this all the time. If we decide that we're engaged rather in a contest between freedom and global communism, the global communists dedicated their work to Lucifer. So I'm guessing they think it's a battle of good and evil of biblical proportions. Maybe I should wake up and realize what war I'm really in. Yeah. And absolutely. there it is. That's the one I'm in. So that's the premise laid out by Dave Zuniga uh, in, in his book, The Great We Set. So what do we do? How do we fix this? What's the solution? And the solution is that we're going to enforce the Constitution. Never been tried. The rationale is as follows. You know, I don't have the pedigree that the bishop has. You know, I'm just some guy up here in the country and so on. But my great, 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 great grandfather did fight in the Revolutionary War, and he was the first white settler in Clearfield County. And when he came to town, he was the government. He was code enforcement. He was the dog catcher. He was the police department. He, I guess, plowed snow if they had snow back in 1797. I don't know. Uh, he was he was the government. as. Uh, he and his wife, Eleanor, and their uh, six kids developed families. His son, William, married a Bloom from Kerbinsville, the first wedding of Clearfield County residents, and they had 16 kids that lived. There's your community development right there. Um, she, by the way, this is just an aside, she died at age 101. No chiropractic, no pharmacy, 
What yep. did they do for, you know, I just ask all these questions. How do these people, Daniel Ogden lived to 87. Yeah. You know, how's that happen? Well, they're living right somehow, uh, but I digress. <laughs> At some yeah. point, there were enough people in the country that they decided to subcontract or hire out some of the things they were doing. They wrote a job description for the people they were going to hire to do their governmenting. That job description is the Constitution. The federal Constitution lists 17 specific things we wanted our federal servants, public servants, to do on our behalf because they're our employees. Now, <clears throat> I am currently the owner of the farm here. And I don't get all puffed up about owning a farm that's been in a family for 200 years. I'm really just the chief steward. We believe in stewardship up here. You know, we're not a bunch of ignorant hillbillies looking to despoil the landscape upon which we live and which we have been entrusted, but rather we wish to leave something as a legacy to my children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren as was left to me. So we, we believe strongly in stewardship. So we care for the wild animals. We care for the soil. We want the place to look like somebody cares about it. So we mow and prune and, and uh, you know, I have a thing about the, all the lines have to be parallel when you're running a mower. Don't be driving diagonal across field, that kind of stuff. Uh, somebody said anal retentive. I don't know. Could be OCD. I don't know. But uh, so, too, do we have stewardship over our country. So, too, do we have ownership over our government. You know, the people that wrote the Constitution were all business owners, as near as I can tell. Franklin was the first uh, franchisee. He franchised printing presses up and down the coast and used the residuals to have lifestyles so he could fly a kite in the rain, start a library, run a fire department. He was independently wealthy from business. He was a business owner. Okay, that's what he did. And so it would be crazy for business owners to delegate authority to employees and then neglect them. Do you think about it? Uh, I have three simple questions I ask people. Do you think there's too many criminals and not enough public servants in government? That usually gets a yes. Do you think the criminals could use some consequences and the public servants could use uh, some supervision? It's another yes. Do you think someone should do something about it for once? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and that's, that's why I joined Tactical Civics. It's a set of solutions for that set of problems. And then I usually send somebody an 11-minute video and about one-third of them join without ever talking to me again. You know, it's self-evident. Where in the world can I get a job where nobody checks to see what time I show up, what work I'm actually doing, where I get to do all kinds of mischief that's not in my job? It's nowhere. I'm given an employee handbook. I'm told that if this happens, you got to do this. If this happens, you got to do that. And you will, you know, these are your reporting forms. So that's how employment works, except in government. In government, we elect people and send them to Harrisburg and Washington, and we just say, good luck. If anything goes wrong, tell us no when you get elected next. How about this one? We hire subcontractors. Now, we hire a guy. We had people in the house I'm sitting in putting in an addition when the twins were born 40 years ago. And the guy was putting up a hallway wall, and I said to him, is that wall plumb? He said, yeah, why? I said, because my wife can see down to the 64th of an inch. And if that bugger isn't plumb, you'll be tearing it out. Well, you got a five-foot level and put it up there, and then he tore it out. When you have a contractor, you check their work 
before you write their check. Okay, there's an oversight function. If they don't do it the way you want it, you make them do it the way you want it, or you don't pay them. Who has the oversight? The owner. Who has the oversight on the employees? The employer, the business owner. Think of a restaurant. You open a restaurant. This is your idea. You're going to make wonderful food for people because that's your passion. But you got to know advertising and accounting. You got to know building maintenance. You got to deal with plumbers and all these other people. So what's the restaurant owner do? Well, he shows up early to make sure the snow shoveled out from in front of the door, answers the phone, takes reservations, unloads the truck. The people that didn't show up sick, uh, he has to fill in for them, wait tables perhaps, interact with customers, run rent. He does everything because it's, wait for it, his business. This is my business. This country, my business. I'm an owner. I inherited ownership. My great-great-great-great-grandfather was here before we were a county and a state. I own it. And so that's the paradigm from which we launch forward. So how do we enforce the Constitution? Well, it'd be good if we knew what it said. My son-in-law, God love him, at 40, was reading the Constitution. He said, yeah, it's the first time I never read it before. I said, didn't you? Nope. I said, huh. Probably know the rules of golf, though, don't you? And that's kind of the, the state of the, the nation. Uh, Jefferson said, a man who expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization never was and never can be. You think back, they're trying to sell the citizenry on the Constitution. So they're writing articles and putting them in the newspaper so that farm people, after a full day in the fields, by lantern light, having only a sixth grade homeschool education, can sit and read the Federalist Papers and understand them and say, yeah, that Constitution, that's probably a good idea. I defy you to run that through a college course today. And have the kids sitting there go, yeah, oh, that makes sense. Okay. And yet that's what the people that ran this place did because they made it their business in those times to know the current law, the current constitution, current court cases and rulings that we made government our business. Why? Well, people like Washington said government is like a fire. It's a wonderful tool when it stays in its place. But if it gets outside of its boundaries, it's quite destructive. Where are we now? It's out of its boundaries. It's being quite destructive all over the place. So how do I enforce this? Well, the first thing is we have to realize who's in charge. Civics is about who's the boss. I am the boss. How do I know this? Because in the document, it says in the largest letters, we, the people. And in summary, uh, we, uh, by virtue of defeating the British in the revolution, uh, the mantle of government fell upon the shoulders of the people. We are a collective sovereign. I know this is the sovereign soul, and I know every, we have dominion over our soul and all that. But in terms of running a place, we got to do it as a group. We, the people, not me, the people, we, the people. Me, the people's a tyrant and a despot. We, the people, can sit down and talk over our problems and uh, figure out how to move forward. You know, a good reason for a limited government is because I don't have all day to solve all the problems those people are creating. They shouldn't be doing this much. I asked them to mow the lawn. One thing, they had one job, you know, 17 things in their federal constitution. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the fun times that's coming is when we look at people and say, where's the constitutional authority for that? 
Why do we have an EPA? Where's the constitutional authority for that? Oh, Richard Nixon wrote an executive order. I see. Scratch. Where's the constitutional authority for the Department of Education? Oh, Jimmy Carter thought it'd be a good idea. Scratch. Where's the, and we just walked down through it. Think of the savings. These people, there's two kinds of theft. There's when you don't do everything that's in your job description and you're stealing time. And when you do more that's in your job description and you're stealing authority. Both are occurring now. And so I, I keep uh, wondering the solution. We're going to do a couple things to uh, regain control. We're going to restore. I love the word restore. Uh, we're going to restore the county grand jury. Grand jury has a thousand year history. We brought it from England, brought it over here in colonial times. We had it during revolutionary times, post-revolutionary times, had it after the Constitution, right up into the 1940s. It was a going thing. It's where the people have investigative and oversight authority. Restore to me means we've got one up in the barn. It still works. We're going to get it out, clean it up, lube it up, and put it back into service. We're going to restore the grand jury. Okay? We're going to move forward in restoration of the grand jury. That's for all my progressive friends. We're going forward to restore. The grand jury is 25 people drawn at random from the voter rolls. They are uh, sworn by the judge. The judge can leave the room then. Thank you very much. They have equal authority to the judge in the courthouse. They're superior to the prosecutor, superior to the sheriff. All resources of the courthouse are available to the grand jury. They can investigate anything they feel like investigating. They can in issue subpoenas and search warrants. Uh, they can go whether the trail leads them. Remember when the teacher walked back and forth between your desks to make sure you weren't cheating? You weren't cheating. Teacher still did it. It's called proctoring. Grand jury can do that. They can look into a department of government and see if it's operating as instructed. There doesn't have to be crime, fraud, and uh, other malfeasance for them to investigate. They can mm -hmm. investigate whatever they want. Who can? The people that own the place? Who can? The board of directors? Who can? The people, the grand jury, can investigate. Now, there's another entity that has an 800-year history called the militia. And some people, they clutch their pearls. Ooh, you know, I don't usually do voices, but they, they get real upset because they've been watching Yellowstone and they think the militia is the Montana 3% that's on their way to kill John and Beth Dutton again this season on Yellowstone. No, it is the people's law enforcement. And you have to ask them. You try to ask intelligent questions and compel people to think. But when my great-great-great-grandfather came here and there was a problem what was the number for the police department he called in 1797? Oh, there wasn't one. Well, who handled law enforcement? Nobody. There was just crime running rampant, right? No, the people's militia did. And I like to refer people back to Judges 6, 7, and 8, the story of Gideon. You know, uh, God told Gideon to go over and mess with the Midianites, tear down the idol, kill the bull and all that. And when he did, they came back and they were going to smite him. So he went out and blew the shofar, blew the trumpet. 32,000 men and boys who could carry swords showed up. Everyone who heard the call showed up. They didn't know why they were coming, but they came. And then they went through a selection process to get it down to the special operators who were going to go on the first mission. And then the other people were helpful later when the route was on. But you can read the story yourself. It's analogous to the volunteer fire department now. The alarm goes off, people run to the station, they get the equipment, go out and face danger. The militia functions at the behest of the grand jury, it's tied into government. There's a web page on the county uh, website 
they train, they are regulated. Uh, they, uh, it's, it's not long guns, it's handguns for the most part. And I'll just give you a, an example, a hypothetical. Let's say that in uh, Lawrence Township in Clearfield County, Jeremy Ruffner has been stealing money as a township supervisor. And let's just say that there's been a criminal complaint filed, but he has oversight and, uh, on the police department. The police have a problem going to his house with the search warrant because he's their boss. They have a conflict of interest. Who can go? Militia can go. That's who can go. We, the people, can go. In an orderly fashion, not mean, not kicking down doors, not anything ugly. It's not vigilantism and so on. And I shouldn't even have to say that. You know, we're not talking some about something that's extra constitutional here. Militia is intra-constitutional. So Pennsylvania's largest gun store, Bishop, is Bryce Gun Shop here in town. And it's it's a large establishment. And up here, people are real good at quoting half the Second Amendment. I got the right to keep bare arms. Yeah, actually, you do have the right to keep bare arms. But that's not what it says. It says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And that first half is the thrust of the of the amendment. Yeah, you got to have arms because you got to have a militia. We've given up on the militia discussion, so now we're talking about what gun I can keep. No, I need to have whatever I need to have for law enforcement. Whatever that is, depends on what the criminals have, I guess. Looks like paid law enforcement can get military gear. And, you know, I'm not prepared to have that discussion of what a militia should have, but it does say in the enumerated powers of Congress that one of the things Congress can do is call forth the militia. Now, in order for you to call it forth, it has to be already constituted. It doesn't say constitute and call forth. It says call forth. So it's already a thing that's happening. Call forth the militia to enforce the laws of the land. That'd be law enforcement. Uh, put down insurrections. Wouldn't that have been convenient? And repel invaders. Gee, is that going on anywhere now? And so the militia is a real thing. It's constitutional. We uh, we want to have it. We're, we In every state, we can set this up. We're going to establish a tactical civics chapter in every county. We're going to grow it to half of 1% county population. That's 400 where I'm sitting. Uh, We're going to push ordinances to restore those two organs of government. That's one third of our plan, those ordinances. The second third is there's an amendment on the books. It needs 27 states to vote it in that limits congressional districts to 50,000 people. It was the one thing that Washington spoke up about during the Constitutional Convention. To, in order to have true representation, you have to cap how many people are in a district. Currently, it's three quarters of a million, which is why I don't get to talk to my guy very often, because he's got too many of us. Connecticut neglected to turn in their homework on this, or this would already be the law of the land. So we are going to find 27 states to uh, to ratify this amendment. I wonder if West Virginia would do it. What about North and South Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska? I wonder if Oklahoma would get on board. I'll bet Nevada would go for it. Idaho. You know, you start naming states that would vote for this. We need 27. Should take a half hour on a Thursday afternoon in 27 legislatures. Once we have done that, it will create uh, a Congress of 6,880 people. Tactical civics will be instrumental in identifying and vetting the 15 additional Congress people per district. Okay, we're going to go find folks. Dallas Kephart, I think he's a good one. He's our current state legislator. He can go to the federal, he can go to the 
to the big game. You know, I think he's ready for prime time. Uh, I'd have to ask him, but I think he'd go. We're going to find him and we're going to send them. There's no office space and no building for them to meet in in Washington. So they're going to have to get sworn in in a football stadium. And then what we want from the people that we supported, vetted and, and got elected or helped get elected is we want them as their first act of Congress to pass. Bring Congress Home Act. We'll create the first distributed legislature in world history. They will live and work in the district with the people whom they serve. No more townhouse in Alexandria, no more boyfriend, girlfriend on the side, no more <laughs> cocktail parties with uh, uh, lobbyists and so on. They want to meet with the lobbyists. They can do it at Spanky's restaurant in town, and I'll sit in the booth next to them and watch. Matter of fact, if they want to meet with the lobbyists, we'll put it in the paper and have a parade. Our guy's meeting with Raytheon. He must be a big deal. When they live and work with the people, they will represent the people. Here's a bill thought. Somebody said we're a fascist country. They used to hurl that at Trump. Fascist, fascist, fascist. Well, what is fascism? It's when big business is in bed with government running things. You mean like the pharmaceutical industry? You mean like big media? You mean like software giants? You mean like the military industrial complex? You mean, you mean big business like that? Corporations and stuff. As soon as we bust them up and, and distribute the legislature back to the counties, the fascism stops. When they have them all together down there, they can get away with doing whatever they want. But when they're up here, not so much. Because they're going to see me at the Walmart. They're going to see me on the sidewalk. They're going to see me at Grice's. They're going to see me during deer season along a dirt road somewhere. They're going to see me because they live here. But here's the other little magic part of this. Now, all of a sudden, they live where the county grand jury lives and where state court law still applies. Did you know that constitutionally federal courts are, are regulated, governed by Congress? Congress can actually decide what they get to, to consider or not. So if a congressman commits a crime and he goes to federal court, isn't that a stacked deck against us? Yes. But when they live here, suddenly it's different. And so let's say a well-meaning, but a misguided congressman wants to do some form of, I don't know, put a shutoff button in my car because they think I'm driving erratically. That That's a current uh, bill Thomas or amendment Thomas Massey had in. Uh, let's not even go there. Let's go to something that's rank unconstitutional, like I can't say whatever I want. Now, I will tell you, I should I should cover this because my daughter, she's sitting right there. My mother said I was free to say whatever I wanted, just not in her house, because she would slap me if I said the wrong thing. So the First Amendment has its limitations. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have, you have to consider that. But I got people that are telling me you shouldn't use that word. I said, you're kidding. It was in the dictionary I had in college. Why can't I use it? First Amendment says I can use it. First Amendment says I can call on Jesus if I want. Jesus, help me. You know, I'm allowed to do that. But let's say a misguided congressman proposes uh, a piece of legislation that's going to curtail that. What he's doing is he's violating the oath that he swore to uphold. I will uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. When he breaks his oath, that's perjury. Perjury is a felony in state court. Felony will get you disqualified from Congress. We'll have us a special election. You want to go ahead with that piece of legislation there, sir? Or did you want to call it back? I call it a chess move. While your fingers are still on the piece, you want to put it back where it was and make a different move. Because if you do that, the grand jury is going to put a presentment forward on you, bucko, and you won't be in Congress for long. 
surrounding Congress with those three pieces, grand jury militia, that amendment limiting a congressional district size, and the Bring Congress Home Act, surrounding them in that retaining wall, putting them here where we can oversee them, all of a sudden, we're able to enforce our Constitution. Now, we have a whole Christmas list, a whole Christmas list of other things. Like, who said they had the constitutional authority to own all that land everywhere? They don't. That's not in the Constitution. Now, out west, my friends are getting oppressed by Park Service, BLM, Fish yeah. and Wildlife, and somebody else, all under the Department of Interior. Back here, we get oppressed by the EPA. None of them are constitutional. And so once we have Congress brought to heel, we're going to go to work on some of that stuff. That is all outlined in the book, The Great We Set, which I recommend. You said call to action. People get a copy of The Great We Set. Read the first 102 pages. Some of it will make you mad. I'll give you one right now. Dave Zuniga takes the task to Pledge of Allegiance. He calls it the Bellamy Pledge. The Bellamy Pledge was introduced in the 1870s. Where did I, I heard that year somewhere recently, 1870-something. The Bellamy Pledge was written by a, a uh, Baptist socialist minister. Apparently, that was a denomination, Baptist socialist. And when you did the Bellamy Pledge, you extended your hand like that in a salute to the federal flag. Roosevelt discontinued that, put your hand over the heart because it was bad PR at the time, you know, Europe and all that. Why would they put a pledge to the flag in in the 1870s? Well, they're pretty much against state rights after that war. That was a war between militias and, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and my comeback is always, can't we just use the same pledge Jefferson used? Because he didn't use one. <laughs> he didn't pledge to the flag. The flag wasn't, wasn't what's important. I'm not against the flag. I'm not even against the pledge. I'm against false history. I'm, I'm against, you know, there's a story they tell. The guy was watching his wife prepare the ham for, for Christmas, and she cut the end off of it, stick it in the roaster. He said, why'd you cut the end off? Does it make it juicy or something? She said, well, my mother, I watched her cook. She always cut the end off the ham. Oh, his mom was out in the living room. And I said, hey, mom, how come, how come you cut the end off the ham? Is it, does it enhance the flavor? Or what, what's it do? She said, well, my mother always did that. I, I just I never asked. That's just what we did. So he calls grandma down in Florida. He says, hey, grandma, I'm here. We're getting Christmas dinner out, and they're cutting the end off the ham, and they don't know why. They said you were responsible. She said, oh. I just had a small roaster, and that was the only way it would fit. It's funny how people do things over time without knowing why. Yeah. Maybe there was a good reason once, but there's not a good reason now. Blind allegiance isn't the deal. Now, you were talking about the 1871, probably the Organic Act and all that stuff. And I usually don't comment on it, but I will hear because I feel like I'm among friends, right? You guys like me. The... Uh, the I'm agnostic on all that because I'm just I'm ignorant. You know, I don't have my second ham license yet. When do I have time to read about the Organic Act if I don't have my second ham license? And <clears throat> it sounds to me like a crime was committed. They stole the country. Scott says the seats of government are empty and they're filled in the corporation. <clears throat> Assuming that's true, I believe we should present that to a grand jury in a county near you. Think the shots are a bad deal? Present that to it. And so <clears throat> I've literally talked to people all over the country. Talked to a guy down in Arizona, lost statewide office because he stole the election. He's got 1,200 counties of data about the theft. 
He's presenting the information to the legislature. I said, I thought they're the ones that stole it. So wouldn't it be better to present that to a grand jury? Oh, yeah, but we don't have one. Hello? Why don't we get that first? You know, cart, yeah. then horse, cart, then horse. Up in uh, Oregon, there were two senators and uh, somebody else in front of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals on a case about what you can present informationally to a federal grand jury. And they got shot down. Maybe they'll go to the Supreme Court. Maybe they won't. And my question was, <clears throat> wasn't that a crime in every county where you live? Wouldn't it be better to present that information to county grand juries? Yeah, probably. But da, 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 da. down Florida, there's a guy been working for 25 years getting grand juries set up. Finally, they got two. They got the blessings of the governor to set up one on the border, one on the COVID. But something's going sideways. It, 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 talks are broke off. I don't know. He said, we need people to come out and support us. Hmm. I said, wouldn't it have been better to have the people organized first? Well, yeah, probably, but well, you know what? Tactical civics, we're organizing people first. When I joined last year, there were 500 of us. 500, Republic-wide. Some of us have been busy. We've grown by a factor of 10 since then. Awesome. Possibly because I finally got to meet Brad, we're getting all these results. You know, we, we go out and, and we, uh, we're growing the mission a half of 1%. If in 10 months we grew by a factor of 10, by uh, Halloween this year, we'll have 50,000. By the end of August next year, we'll have 500,000. By the end of June the following year, we'll have 5 million. 5 million is three times the number I need. And that's Republic-wide. And there are tactics and strategy, what we're doing, and I won't, I won't go into all that now. <clears throat> but this is a thing. The people are ready. You said about the people aren't standing up. They're standing up. Every day, the enemy does things to enhance market conditions for me. Every day. Go ahead. Kick Trump off another ballot. That's winning you lots of friends, isn't it? Then they start saying, we need to be able to do something. Hello, we can do something. It's called enforce the Constitution. How do you do that? Well, step one, learn about it. You know, it's a proven fact that if I read books on health and nutrition, I'll lose weight. If you study something, you manifest it. Gee, if you study freedom and governance and history, you might start to manifest that too. You just have to make it a priority for a change. Uh, <clears throat> any given moment, the world turns on a dime. Now, somebody, uh, I got pressure for some. We got to do this right away. We only had, and they gave me the number. Did we only have so many days? Why? What's going to happen if I don't hurry? Now, I grew up. Haste makes waste. You know, if you're if the job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Don't hurry. You'll do it wrong. You're going to have to go back and do it again, and so on and so forth. What's going to happen if I don't get this done in a short uh, period of time? What are they going to do? Debase the currency? Leave the borders wide open? Canadians coming and going as they please? I mean, what's going to happen to us? We're going to start sending all our money overseas to be wasted. In other words, the bad things are already happening. Hastening now isn't going to change that. What we are going to change is the ability of them to abuse my grandchildren. We're only going to have to stand up a few places in a few states and call a few people to task before the whole bunch of them go, retro, yep. the boss is back. Bishop, you know, in Scripture, it says a couple different places. Jesus started by saying, and then the master returned. That's where we are with tactical civics. We're planning to help the master return. The master is we, the people. 
the accounting is enforcing the great uh, the uh, the Constitution. All we have to do is teach the people that which they have not been taught. Somebody said, why don't they teach this in school? They're never going to teach you in school the mechanisms necessary for you to regulate the school. They're never going to teach that. Uh, the billism on that is if you want your kids and grandkids to know something, you'd better be the one telling them. Now, I can I can go on, obviously, at length without breathing very often. Uh, I got a whole shtick on uh, part of their plan was busting us up. You know, we send our kids to college, get them in debt, and then they come home and they can't find a job. So they got to go live in another town, live in a house they can't afford with cars they never get paid off. And then they move. And, and, and meanwhile, we're all all my kids live next to me. I assume it's because I'm likable. There could be other reasons. But we we talked about things periodically. It's really a who. When customers show up at my daughter's business and start telling them about a podcast they saw me on when I live <laughs> 75 yards away from her and she can hear it anytime she wants. But it, it's all good because I have reached the age, notice the white, where I am supposed to pass what wisdom I have gleaned in my lifetime to the next generation. And I guess this is a good closing. The native people, the first people in Canada, the uh, uh, it's Canada, right? I, I put the extra I in Canada because Canadian, Canada seems to work for me. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvanians, Canada. The, uh, the Native Americans would get together in the winter in the longhouse around the fire, and the old ones would tell the story about how the people came to be. And it was the same story every year, but the audience changed because the young ones were sitting in the back around the fire now, listening to the elders tell that story. That is how culture was transmitted historically. We tell the same stories to new people over time so that they have the culture we want them to have. Breaking us all up so that we no longer know our neighbors, that's not good for us. No. So If you don't know the people that live across the street, take them a muffin or something. Bake a cake and go over. Or knock on the door. Tell them about your dog. You know, the new people moved into Leah's house. Who is it? Sarah. Sarah moved into Leah's house. I went down and told her, if you see the big spotted dog, send him home. He's not supposed to be down here. And gunfire is normal. Don't let it bother you. She said, it's okay. We shoot too. Neighbors. It's a good thing. But there's a summary uh, of uh, what little bit I know about tactical civics. I'm going to breathe now. <laughs> Well, that that was great, and I do have all the websites. We'll go we'll go to it, but definitely Bishop uh, Jim O'Connor definitely has some great commentary to add to it as well, Jim. You mentioned uh, BLM, and everybody thinks that stands for Black Lives Matter, and all lives matter. It really stands for Ball, Lucifer, and Moloch. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when you see. Uh, the names on these lists of people who attended Epstein's Island, and they are public, you can find them. You'll notice that there are who's who's in religion, like most of the Vatican, who's who in, well, we just had that big raid in New York City of that one Jewish sect. Yep. Kazarian Mafia, not true Judaism. Yep. We know and have heard about 
abuses of children in some of the more extreme Islamic uh, temples. So all the children of Abraham have some group that's hurting kids. That should offend every one of us. And if we can't stand up and do what's right, as Bill is suggesting, you know, we can't wear armor because we don't have a spine. There you go. Then you look at, then you look at what is the most hated weapon in the United States? It's the AR-15. And why is that? The military version of it is the M16. The difference is that the M16 has a little switch on it that allows you to fire automatic. Now, anybody who's really a good marksman never uses the automatic because you hit with one bullet and you waste two. I can tell you that from personal experience. The real marksman's leave it on semi-automatic. Now, the most effective self-defense weapon a person can have in their home or their property is the AR-15. It is the easiest weapon to fire. You can put, you can be a man and put the rifle stock in your groin and fire in a an AR-15 or an M-16, and you won't get any kickback. You won't be singing, you know, super high in the choir because you had the low. So anybody can fire it. Anybody can learn to fire an expert in 10 minutes. It's extremely loud. Well, that loud noise scares the piss out of anybody who's breaking into your home. And the bullet goes through in such a nasty way that that person gets hit and they're down. Now, why don't I have the right to defend myself if someone breaks into my house? Well, I can only just beat them up a little bit when they're trying, they come, they may be coming in to rape me or someone in my family or even kill us, but we can only, uh, subdue them well i'm pretty tough and i'm a fairly big size but if this is someone the size of man mountain dean there's no way in hell i'm going to subdue them in midwest history a lot of women were getting raped in the wild west until there was the snub nose revolver which was also called the equalizer and it's funny, when a woman kind of pulled that out of her purse and shot the SOB who was raping her, all of a sudden, women weren't getting raped anymore. Yeah. Now, who says that we don't have the right to protect ourselves? If you attack me or any other person, they have the right to respond based on how they see it. No one else can see through my eyes or your eyes. How I conceive the threat, a jury can't tell me that they can see how I understand something. So if someone attacks me and I put them down permanently, I did not commit a crime before God and certainly not before the 
before a true law because I'm the only one who knows how I feel about that threat. They're doing things to take our ability to be men and women away from us. They're giving rights to the criminals. They're even encouraging criminals to come in. And probably the worst egregious thing is they're messing with our food, our water, our environment. At age 80, Moses walked across the desert. That's not how old he was when he finished. That's how old he was when he started, and he walked for 40 years. How many 80-year-olds can walk? How many 80-year-olds are still alive? And he did this without a... Moses never got vaccinated. He ate what God provided in the most natural, holy way. He didn't listen to some preacher tell him that, uh, you know, he had to be good. You know, we had to let sodomites in and sodomite marriage was okay. They didn't live like that. They worshiped God. They worshiped God from their hearts. They saw some of the great things that God did. Some of them still rebelled. And it's funny, when they rebelled bad enough, they got they started getting bit by vipers. They were dying because of snake venom. And what's in the COVID vaccine shot? Cobra venom, COV, 19 neuropeptides. They're putting that into people's bodies. And I, I'll tell you, if you understand what happened when Moses put the snake on the pole, representing that single-stranded DNA of Jesus on the cross and worshiping, repenting and worshiping, and they were spiritually cleansed. Gene Decode has a prayer. My buddy Gene. You know, where we ask God to take all spells, curses, dynamic devices, all assemblages, graphene oxide, spike proteins, evil additives that aren't in the service of the one and only God of all creation. Find that prayer. Pray it. He's done a study where people had the spike proteins and the graphene oxides in their bodies. They say this prayer. They're not, it's not there anymore. Brad and I take a supplement called Clean Slate. Boy, is it great. It removes graphene oxides and spike proteins and toxins from the body. You get the heavy metals out, all of a sudden, you're in a brand new world. You can actually think clearly. You can see clearly. You can't get bullshitted like we're getting bullshitted because your brain's working. And you understand how evil these bastards are. They're keeping us poor so they can rape kids and put other kids on drugs and destroy their lives and their souls. And we're standing around thinking, oh, we're real men because we are we hit the parlay at DraftKings. You gotta be kidding me. You think that's smart? I mean, if you do a five by five parlay, they pay you 25 to one. 
If you multiply two to the fifth power, that's 32. So in other words, they're making almost 25% on all the bets because they know exactly where to draw those lines. They don't mind paying you 25 because you're the one person that hit. The other 31 didn't hit and they got their bets. For every $100 that's bet, they make $25. They don't care who wins or loses. They want that $25. They got you. And you think you're being a guy, but, you know, a good, strong man because you can figure out who's going to win that game between the Bills and the Steelers and who's going to rush for the most yards. And will Josh Allen pass for 300 yards? I mean, who really gives a shit? I mean, I'm going to root for the Bills because I'm originally from Buffalo and I like football. And I know Bill's going to root for the Steelers. And my roommate at West Point, Art, was from Pittsburgh. And I know if he was still alive, he'd be rooting for the Steelers. And if the Bills can't win it, I hope the Steelers do, because I have relatives in Pittsburgh. But that has nothing to do with what's right and wrong. Football is like the Roman gladiators. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to watch. It was even more fun to play when I played it. And I played it in high school. I played a little in college. I played baseball in college. I played basketball in college. I love sports. It's great exercise. It's great fun to work as a team. I enjoyed being in the Army, jumping out of planes, running up hills, you know, sending uh, people to judgment. You know, I mean, I've done all that. But... I always did this because I believed that we were in a country that was free and good. I've learned since then that our country isn't free, and it's certainly not good. When you have a bozo like Biden in office, who's like Ahab in the Bible, who does terrible things to kids, you know, I'm not old enough to look at Hunter's laptop and see all that smut and how he isn't already dead, I can't understand, much less running around, thumbing his nose at this joke we call Congress. I mean, if I told Congress to go screw off and not show up if I was subpoenaed, the FBI would be... Uh, raiding me with a SWAT team. And yet, he can basically thumb his nose at him. What is it? Because his father's a satanic pedophile, he gets a, he's called elite. There are no elite people in the United States. And certainly anybody who's raping kids. And the most egregious thing I know and I heard on Restored Republic today and it's been repeated several times, is Kathy O'Brien talked about how on August 1st, 1977, she gave testimony to Congress that she was repeatedly raped by Bill and Hillary Clinton. Clinton was, you know, that was more than a decade before Clinton was elected president. How could a man who was raping somebody in the 70s, a little kid, get elected 
president of the United States in a country that's a good Judeo-Christian country. That can't happen. Where are the pastors? They're talking about, oh, we got to include this group and this group, all these guys who are committing sin and normalizing sin. When they normalize sin, they're doing the devil's work. And if you're going to a church that normalizes sin and tells you it's okay for two men to sleep together or two women to sleep together or people to do all sorts of strange things to kids, it's just their preference. Churches that say, well, anybody can receive the Holy Eucharist. You have to be in the state of grace to receive the Holy Eucharist. The person who consecrates it must be in the state of grace, or else it's not holy. And if you're doing that kind of stuff, you're doing the devil's work. And if you do the devil's work, you're going to get a country like we have now, but even worse. If you stand up and do the tactical civics and get on your knees and pray like you're supposed to, then this country will turn around. But it starts with each and every one of us doing our jobs. At the end of our lives, we can't say, well, Lord, I was waiting for you to save us. Instead of saying, well, Lord, I did what we could to help save it because I wanted to present it to you because this is my life's work. There's a big difference. The apostles didn't sit around after the resurrection and say, well, you know, if we sit on our asses here and do nothing, they'll come to us. They yeah, get out. Exactly. And exactly. And so we're on tacticalcivics.com right now. And thank you, Bishop Jim. So the two things you mentioned here as well, Bill, thank you for your time. And I would be happy to do a monthly show so we keep building up for everybody in the U.S., you know, to take back the Republic county by county. Is you hit the button, join now. And also you can find the book, which Bill had referenced from David Zuniga, The Great We, set for we, we the people, Whiskey Echo, on Amazon. Also he has a sub stack. And also you can get the audio book there. So the key actions and the takeaways are, if any of you are American, you're watching this going, I'm sick of what's going on. Let me do it. Or I can do accents too, right? Um, hit the button and join now. We have, by the way, warrior grandmothers who are part of tactical civics. You know, so if you're in your 70s, your 80s, and Bishop Jim's about to turn 71 next month, ladies and or this month, ladies and gentlemen, and he bench presses 320 pounds 39 times. You're, it's never too late for anybody to get involved and continue to do it. And he is a general in God's army, literally taking demons off planet and saving souls with God's help. So here we are. Click the button, join now, get the book, educate yourself. Then they have Sunday night phone calls. You can go in, you can ask questions, bring your friends, bring your family, the ones who are awake that said, I've had enough. What do we do? This is the biggest, greatest first step as far as I'm concerned and be the dissenter, as Jefferson said. Be the rebel. Have that rebel yell. Peaceful, because the last thing you want is bloodshed, and we do not want that whatsoever. You want to avoid civil war, and this is the peaceful and the immediate solution to do it, backed by your constitution and your inalienable rights. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for being on here. I'm over time. I have to go uh, to another phone call right now, which I'd already promised, but I look forward to having you all back again, and we uh, get after it, and you two gentlemen are also connected on email, and I'm happy to connect you on text too, so you can 
also do more shows and connect up in your neighborhoods as well because you're almost in each other's backyards as far as i'm concerned a canadian right you know i had to take a soul to go 120 kilometers an hour so i could get my homework done you guys are like so close together all right ladies and gentlemen tacticalcivics.com get after it if you're outside the u.s you're not american share this around because we need to get them in the fight we the people around the world get turtle island back the world back and we return to sovereignty and god god bless you all gentlemen. thank you god bless you brad god bless you Bill. thanks jim it's been a pleasure i'll be the next person joining glad to have you Hey, you divine lions and lionesses, you amazing sovereign souls. Look at this. Powerful, affordable X39 patches help regenerate your stem cells. These were developed for Navy SEALs. Burns up to 500 calories, acts like a wearable med bed on your body. So you get to wear your natural wellness daily order x39 now at catchthelifewave.com there's monday to friday phone support so you can go there there's zooms and there's a 100 90 day money back guarantee at catchthelifewave.com the x39 there is nothing else like it help activate stem cells reverse aging and rejuvenate your life at catchthelifewave.com Thanks for joining us on the program, ladies and gentlemen. Please like, follow, subscribe, share this with nine friends and family. And of course, if you enjoy our blinged Buddha firing red pills from his nine mil, let us know.